We have been discussing about uh, Genesis, and you know it's a long, long book, and this morning is not going to be an exception, because I'll be discussing, or t- at least touching, two chapters, 17 and 18. But uh, just to touch back on the things that we were discussing, let me just see if this is on cute already. Oh, there you go. See it? All right, last week we talked about, uh, a pastor, at least a Pastor um, Insong discussed about mission. Do you remember that? The mission, the vision, the difference between mission and vision. So uh, we're just going to go through that real quick. And uh, by the way, it's a little bit, uh, I just do it like, a, as they say, cut and dry. And maybe you'll understand it a little bit more later. Okay? So mission and vision. Mission is defines what we do. I'll just go on real quick. Vision is a picture of what we will happen if we will fulfill our mission. The vision is to see the future, for us to see the future before it becomes into being. In other words, like a foresight. And there's a difference between the mission and the vision. Mission is a statement. The vision is a picture. Okay, you can read that. I think it's also in the Chronicles. Why do we need vision? Those of us who are wearing glasses, if we don't have our glasses on, what happens? We cannot see. Okay? Especially me. If I don't have my glasses, I cannot see far. And that's why I remove my glasses so that I cannot see you. <laughs> Otherwise, I will be <laughs> tense over here. Okay? So it helps me a little bit to allay my fears of speaking because if you have not tried speaking here, I, w- I will challenge you to come over. <laughs> All right. Why do we need vision? Because it gives us direction. It gives us focus. Again, eyes. It attracts cooperation, enables us to gauge progress, reduces frustration. My wife is so big in mission and vision and goals. This time of the year, supposedly our goals are done. But since I'm taking over on that, it's not done. (laughs) Just a confession. It prepares us also for eternity. Because the vision that we are looking into, well, I don't know about you, but we all should be looking at there and not right here. Okay? It inspires passion too. Because if you have somebody that is truly passionate, the vision becomes what? Contagious. And everybody in the circle also becomes passionate as well. Hopefully, at least if you're, not, if you're passionate and if someone is not, you can actually encourage them. Okay, that's why we need vision. Okay. Now, we also talk about the view of God. So talking about the vision, what is our view of God? How do we look at God? And we learn that God is, for us, God is holy. And to some degree, in our previous faith 
that maybe God is so far away that we cannot even see. Of course, we cannot really see God, but in a way that we cannot see in our heart, that we cannot even get close, and we need someone else to pray for us. It's not that you cannot ask other people to pray for us, but in a more formal way in the previous life. I'm talking about this previous faith. Okay? But let's talk about how God view us. Anyone? We are, oh, you remembered. That was last week and you remembered. Good. Okay. It's encouraging. Encouraging that you remember uh, the preaching. All right. So we are all sinners. How many of us are not sinners? I will expect that from Bobby. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You know that. Okay. But God has a mission for us. It's not enough that we just know that God looks at us as sinners. But He has a mission for us. And He even made a way for us to go back to Him. And we all know that. Okay? Or at least I hope that we all know that. Because if not, then at the end of the day today or at the end of the message today, I'll ask you to, to pray. Okay? The mission of God for us is for us to become disciples and make disciples. And the guru of discipleship is our dear pastor, Pastor Danny, right there. And he drills to us his passion of disciple making. And hopefully, all of us will get into that as well. Okay? So this morning, the new chapter, 17 and 18, it's talking about covenant. Pastor Nathan Lee discussed about covenant uh, when he was here. Uh, started with uh, 15 and 16. Then you have seven, uh, 15, 16, 17. All of those talks about covenant. So what is a covenant? Just a review. You remember what covenant is? How many of you have done some covenants here? Married couples, you should raise your hand. Okay? If you're married, you must raise your hand. Because it is a covenant. It is not a contract. Unfortunately, when you apply for your marriage license, it's called license or a marriage contract. But it really is, in fact, a covenant. So let's take a look at what covenant is. A covenant is literally a contract. But in the Bible, it talks about an agreement between God and us. Okay? So God made promises. And the promises of the Lord he spelled it out to the people, different times, different people, different uh, eras, okay? In the Old Testament, he made agreements with Noah, with Abraham, and Moses, okay? In a covenant, there are always parties. The same thing as with contract, okay? Usually, it's between two parties, They have to abide by the terms or the requirements of the contract. And how to abide that is by fulfilling what is spelled out in the contract or in the terms of agreement. Okay? 
God gave his promise and he will fulfill it. How? You want to know? Yes? Okay, later, just wait. <laughs> All right. You have heard of stories of beating the odds, have you? Okay, there are so many, many stories about that, of people overcoming huge obstacles in life. Albert Einstein, you know what uh, his story is about? His teacher told him that he is uneducatable for Albert Einstein. How about Beethoven? He was deaf. Thomas Edison, how many times he failed before he succeeded in giving us this incandescent bulb? How many? A lot. Okay, <laughs> a lot. But he said, I have done all of those and I have failed, so now it's easy for him to succeed. Okay? And I want you to guess this one. I'm going to read this. His first production went bankrupt during his first press conference, a newspaper editor ridiculed him because he had no good ideas for film production. Any guess? Steven Spielberg? No. I heard somebody over here. Walt Disney. Walt Disney. Okay. So someone has no ideas. Wow. As creative as uh, Walt Disney was, he was even given this kind of comment by a newspaper editor. Okay. So this morning, we're going to talk about God's covenant and His greatness. Okay. We're going to be reading from chapter 17 and 18, and uh, I'll be skipping or jumping from one. Uh, it's not going to be the, the whole chapters because it's too long. So bear with me on this one. As we read it, I would like to ask everybody to please stand as we read the, um, the Word of God. Let's read it all together. Now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come forth from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout the generations
chapter 18. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. When he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him, and when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it, and make bread cakes. Abraham also ran to the herd and took a tender and choice calf and gave it to the servant, and he hurried to prepare it. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, There in the tent. He said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have become old, shall I have also pleasure, my Lord being old also. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you bless, Lord God, your words, and we pray, Father God, that you be with me, Lord God, as I deliver your message. This is yours, Lord God. Everything, Lord, is yours. Thank you, Father God, and allow us, Lord God, to understand what you want us to learn, Lord God, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please take a seat. So Sarah laughed, and she denied it. So she lied. You know what happens when you're in front of the Lord here, and, and, and you lied? Supposedly, right away you'll vanish like that. Okay? Why did you think that Sarah did not die right away. You remember previously, because the Lord said that you will have a son, if, if the Lord will kill Sarah, then there will be no son anymore. That's just my logic. Anyway, so it was very emphatic that the Lord said, you laughed. You did laugh. Okay? And we cannot deny it. Okay. Now, in all of the things that was discussed. There were so many promises that the Lord gave to Abram or Abraham and Sarah. Okay, so let's take a look at those promises. Oh, by the way, before I continue, you know, last week we had baptismal over here, right? And uh, again, once again, thank you for those who uh, express themselves to uh, be baptized and declare to the world that they are Christians. What happened to what we just read over here? So today we're going to have a different kind. Because remember when the Lord said, the covenant, what was the sign that the Lord gave to Abraham as a sign for the covenant? A what? Circumcision. So... This morning, after the service, we're going to have circumcision for those who have not. So boys, we're still accepting, as Pastor Insung said, that we are accepting applicants over here. Okay, just kidding. All right. 
That's just to really express out and release some tension. Okay, so let's take a look at some of the promises of the Lord. Okay, the Bible is replete with God's promises. Multiply blessings, children, health, wealth, and so on and so forth. Who would like these promises to happen to them? Wow, nobody. Okay. We all want promises. We want good health, good wealth, good relationships, isn't it? All of those things we want. And the Lord promised that to us. But what's the catch? We'll learn that later, okay? But remember, the promise is future. It's in the future. Let's take a look. So the promises of God. Number one, he said, I will multiply you exceedingly. That's in verse two. Okay? I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. When you say exceedingly, what do we understand of the word exceedingly? Countless, limitless, overflowing. Okay, so how many of you want to have an overflowing blessing? Oh, there's only three people that raise their hand again. Wow, are you afraid about blessings? We should not be afraid of blessings, but we should be faithful so that the blessings will flow in. It may be countless blessings, but our faithfulness also should be the same. Okay. But it is not really a one-to-one -one relationship when it comes to that because God blesses all of us even when we are sometimes unfaithful. you agree? And sometimes we are put to shame because of that. Okay? All right. Let's take a look. Promises of the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 11. Everybody should know this. Okay? For I know... Louder. Okay, let's focus on this one. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. But there it says there are plans to give you a hope in the future. Because sometimes time can be looking so dark. Circumstances, things that happen in our lives, it seems like it's so obscure. It's like there's a veil that covers our eyes and we cannot even see what is behind that or beyond the curtain. There's a curtain right there. I cannot see beyond the curtain. But you know, sometimes in our lives, it seems like that, that we are enclosing ourselves behind a curtain even though we know that if we just open it, first of all, light will come in. That's the light of God. That's the light of the Word that will come into us. But we have to allow it to come in. We have to get that curtain open. We have to call on the Lord to open that for us because sometimes we don't even have the strength to do that. You agree? There are issues, there are 
things that happened in our lives in the past that are still maybe bothering us, even now. Okay? And sometimes they are the ones that almost like we are prisoners. You know, in the cartoons you see the prisoners, they have what? Shackles and they're like big ball and they walk, you know, like this. In the old days, it was, it's not that I have gout, okay? But I do. <laughs> it's not because it's just really like that. It slows us down because of the baggages that we carry. You see, the plan of the Lord for us is not to harm us. To give us the best thing that we can have right here. Did the passage ask us for anything else? No. It only tells us what He will do for us. Do you see that? It says, I have plans for you. And my plans are this. I will prosper you. I will not harm you. I will give you hope in the future. You know, if it only stays like that all the time, wow. Then Christian life will be what? Easy. As they say, it's kind of like, you know, in a better process. But just like uh, Pastor Song said, roses have what? Thorns. So be careful as well. All right. So that's the first promise is, I will multiply you exceedingly. Okay, number one. The next one is, he is going to be a father of multitude of nations. This is to Abraham who, according to himself, he said, I'm 100 years old. Will I still be a father? How many are fathers here? Okay. How many of us have multiple children? Okay, there's a few. I have only one. So being a one-time father, it's hard to, well, it's hard not to, be, to play favoritism. Because I only have one, you know, and nobody will complain about it, okay? No, no one else will complain that, oh, you, you know, he's your favorite because you're only my, I have only one son. Just like maybe Pastor In Song has one daughter and his favorite daughter is, of course, Sarah. And Pastor Danny, too, with dogs, okay? So those are easy to, to say in a way, okay? But if you have multiple children... Like my wife's family, they have 13. Although one passed away when uh, he was young. So I cannot imagine how you balance which one is the favorite or everyone is treated the same. But my wife always claims that she is the favorite of her dad. Okay. <laughs> so what's the challenge for parents? What's the challenge? To be fair, isn't it? So that whatever you give to your oldest will be the same or equal to the rest of the children. Or is it like, okay, you're the oldest. Okay, you're close. We'll go to the second one. And then the third one. By the time it gets to the fourth one, it's tattered. It's now rugs and whatever. Okay? Sometimes because of 
life, maybe. Okay? But maybe we think we cannot do the reverse because your youngest tends to be the smallest and uh, it cannot go to the kuya or to date because it's not going to fit. Okay? So it's always going a hand-me-down situation. Just like the same thing as what actually Abraham was doing. Because remember, he had another son through Indai. Okay? Because that's exactly what they did. <laughs> okay? He actually tried to plead. You remember that in the passage? But what about I, what about uh, Ishmael? And God said, yeah, don't worry about Ishmael. I'll take care of him. But my blessing is not for him. It's with Isaac, which we will do. Uh, we'll take a, uh, know a little bit more. So, it says in here, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. A multitude of nations. If we look into what is going on right now in the Middle East, that's a multitude of nations. Unfortunately, much like in different, different families, siblings fight, quarrel, it's the same thing in the Middle East. They're all fighting there too. And we're going there too. Okay. Then he said, I will change you. How many of us have become U.S. citizens recently? Okay. How many of us are, were asked during your interview, do you want to change your name? Pastor Danny, did you change your name? No. To? Danny. Danny. <laughs> From Danny to Danny. Okay. I was asked uh, when I was uh, being interviewed, do you want to change your name? You know, I hated my name growing up. I hated my name. And you will understand why. My real name is Romeo. Okay? Except there you go. I heard it right away. What do they connote it when they hear, when they say Romeo? The next question is? Where's Julian? I said, I wanted to change my name, but because I love my grandmother who gave me that name, I just couldn't, I don't have the heart to change it. So I just took all the ridicule. And you know when you're growing up, you know, boys, you don't like girls, right? Or do you? <laughs> no? When you were young, boys, we don't like girls. We hated girls. Okay? When we were young, like this? Okay, it's different when you're old or, or taller. Okay, so they asked me all the time, where is Julia? I said, I'm so tired of that. And when I came here to the United States, I was on the phone with a telemarketer. I said my name, and I said, uh, where's your Julia? I said, really? You don't even know me, you know? So you know what? Things happen, and they stick. I don't know about you, but some of us, they have names that when you're in school, 
what happens? They butcher your name. They call you different names that you don't like. But they attach it to you. So when you're growing up, guess what? They call you this. And then you have another name that you don't like. Is it happening or borrowing from uh, Pastor Reggie or is it just me? Kaming dalawa lang siguro Pastor Reggie yon. Okay. No, but really, yes. You know, in the old days, they really take the time to name their children. The newest member of our congregation is uh, Isabel. Okay, the daughter of uh, Cleveland and Malou. Before the name came up, in our Bible study group, in our D group, they even said, okay, can you guess the name that we're going to give to our daughter? And who ha- if you guess it, then you'll win something, whatever. So there is a name that is attached to each one of us. And you don't want to be called otherwise. Okay? But take a look at what happens. God changed the name of Abram to Abraham. Okay? I look up the meaning of names. So you can just GTA that. You know what GTA is? Google the answer. Okay. So, I look at Pastor Insong's name, Lorenzo. Nice Italian name. Humanitarian, community-minded, family-oriented, loving, affectionate, compassionate, sensitive. Where's Lynette? Right there. Okay. Nice description okay, of the name Lorenzo. Okay. How about Saul? Do we know Saul? There are two, two Sauls in the Bible. The one is the king, the other one is the apostle. Okay? Saul is authoritative, powerful, tough, tenacious, wealthy, problem solver, achiever. But the name Paul is quite different. From Saul to Paul, we see Saul is authoritative, Paul is humble. Freedom-loving, adventurous, adaptable, intellectual, easygoing, progressive. But Paul, in the Bible, there was nothing about the sensual part. Okay? So let's just talk about the meaning of names and what are the importance of those names to you. The most important thing actually is, even if we have our names, and the name changes that happen. And if you want to change your name, but most important thing is that you will have a transformation of your heart. You can change names. You can change whatever you want to be called. Okay? But it is the heart. Is the inside changed too? Or is just the front? I can grow a mustache, but I can't. It wouldn't change me. But most importantly is what's in the heart. So all of these are fronts. All of these are the things that we can see. But God is looking at what is inside. So if I change you from Abram to Abraham, there is a purpose for that. Okay? Why? 
Because from Abram, who was a noble father, an exalted father, Abraham became the father of many and a multitude of nations. Okay. Sarai. So Sarah, from your, the origin of your name, noble and princess. Nice name. But to become my princess, mother of nations. See, the difference is, oh, you're a princess, but someone calls you my princess. The Lord calls you my princess. Isn't that more special than just, or a princess? Like, there's so many princesses over here, but you are the princess. You're my princess alone. Okay? So that is what is more important. And just like what I said earlier, the change of name should lead to a transformed heart. Okay, last, uh, last blessing is this. The everlasting covenant. It's an agreement that cannot be broken. When we were married, and we have... Uh, uh, our pastor, Kinglet, who uh, was introduced earlier, we were the first one that he married. And he told us, you cannot separate. You cannot divorce. Because it is my fault if you divorce because I married you. <laughs> so, so we remember that. So we're still, you know, 31, I don't want to make a mistake, 31, the, uh, next month we'll be celebrating our 31st anniversary. Okay? So a covenant, thank you, and <laughs> it's a covenant, it's nothing that can break a covenant because if you want to get out of the covenant, there's only one way out. And that is? By death alone. Because when you got married, look at what happens. What do, what's the ceremony say? Married couple, what did they say? Okay, there's only one person earlier. Till death do us part. Okay? But, unfortunately, the society nowadays, there is no difference According to statistics, no difference between secular and Christian marriages. In fact, some other statistics shows that Christian marriages have even a little bit or a higher percentage of divorce than secular. And that's really sad. So what are we doing if it happens like that? Why, why is it that it's happening even in the midst of Christians. Why are these marriages crumbling? If you ask Pastor Danny, he knows the answer, and he will tell you the answer. And what is it? Discipleship. I think I don't know how many times we have been drilled into this thing, but you know sometimes, especially me, my, I have a thick skull, you know, and a little bit slow, so that these things, because they're difficult, discipleship is not easy. Raise your hand if you think that discipleship is easy, except Pastor Danny. 
Nobody. Because we know that it's going to be painful. We know that it's going to look into the bottom of our hearts. We can put a facade. We can put a, 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 a cloak or whatever. But when you get into the nitty-gritty, and if you want to really be honest, ask my wife. She'll tell you everything. Not today, okay? All right. So we have all of those promises that the Lord gave to Abraham. And what are those promises for? They are supposed to be what? To be fulfilled. Otherwise, the promises that we say, what do we do with our promises? There's a saying that goes, promises are made to be broken. Not with God. Because what he gave in the promises are the, is the covenant and not to break it, but to fulfill it. So let's take a look at that. Because there is a problem. Okay? And here's the problem. Looking into all of the, uh, the, what um, we have read earlier, the problem is us. There's no problem with God giving the covenant to us. It is us doing our part that causes the covenant to fall apart. You agree? Okay, because God will always be faithful. Okay, here's the problem. Problem number one, age. What was the covenant? What, what did God say to Abraham? You will have a child a son actually you would have a son but then they said i'm 99 years old and sarah will be i don't know how and that's why the problem okay and before this actually in chapter 15 and 16 there was a time gap between that time and chapter 17 there was about 13 to 14 years gap that before this thing happened and then another year before the sun came out. Okay? Look at this. 13 years to 14 years of waiting. How many of us can wait for what Jeremiah 29, 11 said? I will give you a hope in the future. When your days are down, your, your body is so weak, with pain all over, no money, you're living pretty much in dole outs. What kind of future are you looking at? If we hang on to the promises in Jeremiah 29 11, how long is that? Where is that future? I need it now. I need help today. So what's the problem? The problem is waiting. We cannot wait. So, the Lord said in Isaiah 40, 31, it says, Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. 
That's a great promise. The only caveat is you have to wait. And that's the whole problem is in the waiting. The waiting time. Because you don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know if it's going to be today. It's going to be tomorrow. It's going to be next week. Next month. Next year. Five years and so on and so forth. If we go back to the illustration, the parable of the prodigal son. The son left. You know that from the story. Okay. How long did it take the son to come back to the father? It took some time. But if you look at the father, and from the story, for what we can glean out of the attitude of the father, because at the end of, this, the, at the, end of the story of the parable, the father saw from afar, and what did he do? He ran. So would you agree with me that Let's say I'm the father and say, hmm. that's the first day. Second day, then he did whatever. Third day, he probably had an idea of what the son will do to squander the money. Okay, but yet it did not stop him from anticipating when the son will come back. Because like what Pastor Insong said, if he wasn't looking, do you think, do you think he will see the son coming back from afar? If he would just say, all right, I'll just forget him. I'll just do whatever I have to do. I have my business. I have my son. I'll be running my, my household. If he comes back, he comes back. So be it. He will not have that. And the son will be coming home and nobody will greet him. But that's a different story. And that's why waiting to us is like punishment. How many of us wants to wait? Nobody. Those of you who are in love, boyfriend, girlfriend, your boyfriend is late five minutes. Oh, it's okay. Text. Hey, sweetheart, I'm running five, ten minutes late. Take your time. Fifteen minutes, half an hour. Where are you? I'm worried. Got married. Hey, honey, I'm late for dinner. Sabi ko na nga ba Alright. But all of these things, because of the uncertainty of waiting, we don't know. Okay? And because of that, what happens? We probably don't have this, or at least some of us. What did I put in there? Isn't it true that when you're waiting, your patience is being tested? How about your patience? 
Okay? Self-control. <sighs> galit na galit ka na. Okay? It's all tested. What are those? Patience, selfishness, faithfulness, self-control. What are those? Fruit of the Spirit. Okay, tatlo lang yan. Okay? But so difficult to manage. Maybe we need to fertilize the tree a little bit more so that the fruit will bloom or the fruit tree will bloom and they will bear fruit and then you can harvest. Harvest what? Patience. Harvest self-control. Harvest faithfulness. How about love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, joyfulness, or sinabi ko na yun, okay? Kindness. All of those. Alright? One of the things that truly allowed us to not wait patiently is because of instant gratification. How many of you still use computers, laptops? How many have computers at home? Or electronic things that you can control? How many of you still have 286? You don't even know what 286. The computer started with 286, no hard drive, and very, very slow. But well, we were happy because we we're there's something already. And then it jumped to 486. Oh, wow. And then to Pentium, wow. You mentioned Pentium to these boys, they don't even know what it is. Okay? Because today, as you turn on, push the button, guess what? The light comes on, instant on. Just like in our lives, instant gratification. I want this now. If we let our children just go and say, Mama want new toy. What happens? Usually because of pressure at work, pressure at home, and we don't want to be tagged as I'm the bad parent. So what happens? All right, let's go to the mall and let's buy it. Okay? So there's nothing about teaching our children. I'm not saying it's here, that's happening here. No, it's not here. Not in CCFLA whatsoever, okay? It's in the other church, okay? <laughs> not here, because you're being taught discipleship, okay? So you are not teaching, or these churches are not teaching the value of waiting, okay? Because there is value in waiting. As we will see, you know, because if, if Abram and Sarai just waited, then probably we will not have any conflict now. But of course, it's a different story. We pro uh, Abram probably did not have an Indai. And did not have Ishmael, Okay. You know, when we were sharing last week during the weekend encounter in our group, there were four of us. And you know what happened? The one thing common to all of us, because it talks about the love of the Father, the first lesson was the love of the Father. I had a relationship with my dad. But you know what? What I didn't realize? 
was that my dad had children. Well, I'm his child, but I'm talking about other children outside of our family. And I didn't know that until, wow, I'm already old. Nobody knew about that. And he confessed to us, you know, like a deathbed confession. He asked for forgiveness. He said, I'm sorry that I did it to your mom. I'm sorry that I did it to all of you. But you have a brother and a sister. <laughs> it's, it was hard. And the four, uh, us four guys that were sitting in the circle right there, all of us, we, if your father is still living, then have, but my father is dead and some other fathers are dead too. They had those families outside of the original family. And so what is it got to do with this? Because of the faithfulness. Like Abram, he could have said to Sarai, no, I don't want Indai, I want you. <laughs> what did Pastor Nathan Lee said? You want me to go to Indai? Ah, okay. see we don't even have to be pushed we don't have to even given a suggestion because it's happening and if we are not careful it will happen if we are not careful that curse will go my father's curse because his father also had another child another son from another woman my father's brother also had that. So what's the probability that myself and my other two brothers will have the same or will do the same? Well, pretty much the pattern like this. Okay, you have that. Your father has that. So therefore, usually logic say one plus one equals two. And if nothing was done, Probably, I will go the same path. Probably, my brothers will have the same path again. But thank God that all of us became Christians. And so the curse that was given, or that my grandfather, I don't know about his, other, you know, his father, but at least for my grandfather, to my father, we put a decisive stop to that, intentionally. Okay? intentionally because we have to otherwise we're just going to continue and continue on the curse and we don't want that to happen all right so practicing all right so here's another problem is the biggest problem of all and we know that already we decided on our own to be the judge the executioner because we can't wait Sarai cannot wait. And perhaps the Lord wants us to have a son through Hagar. 
There you go. They meddle in God's plan of authority. So then they had Ishmael. So the conflict started. Okay? You learn that Hagar and Sarai became right away. As soon as she became pregnant, fighting right away. Okay? So you can't have that. You can't have two princesses in one house. One should be a queen and no one else. Okay. So today, there's still that conflict that's going on in the Middle East and also spilling out to the rest of the world. Okay, so what is our attitude? When we have all of these things waiting and looking at the future, what should be our, our, our attitude? Psalm 37 says in here, For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. That's another promise. If we only wait. Okay? So we all know the promises. The thing is, we have to wait. So let's continue on. Let's look at the fulfillment of the covenant. It says in here, God is great in verse 1. From God's perspective, He said, I am God Almighty. What do we know about being Almighty? El Shaddai. El Shaddai means Almighty, all-competent, all-powerful, all-sufficient, nothing too hard for Him. God comes to us in the way we need Him most, and so on and so forth. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 29, when we have problems, there's a good verse to quote. Come to me, says, all of you who are heavy laden, and what will the Lord give you? Will give us rest. You know, in our congregation, in our D group, we have a friend. I, I was trying to ask his permission to share his story, but uh, since uh, I didn't get the permission uh, on time, I cannot uh, say his name. But suffice it to say that uh, he's a businessman, and uh, he, there was a certain time in his business that it suffered losses. It was difficult. This is the same, time, the same thing here. We have businesses, and business is not always profitable all the time. Sometimes we suffer losses, and he suffered some kind of losses, and he was having a difficulty in his business. Then he prayed, and he understood the sovereignty of the Lord. And then he said, Aha! Uh -huh. You are God, my sovereign God. You own everything. So then he said, So he said, Lord, since you own everything, I give you my debts. Everything. But I surrender to you as well. In his obedience, you know what happened? The Lord blessed him and even blessed him even more. Paid all his debts, got new clients, and even more. And so that his business is now even more thriving. Okay. So, in for, in, um, that's the, the verse. Let's just speak, skip that because we already um, talked about that. So God keeps his promises. In 1 Kings 17, For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty. This is when Elijah went to that widow who's saying, 
Oh, we're just going to eat our last bread and we're going to die. Okay? So he went there and said, Nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. What is he saying? Because Elijah came to this widow, and, and he said to the widow, Feed me first. Attend to me first. The widow said, But I have only flour and oil good enough for us. But then he said, Feed me first. And, and the widow the widow followed. And guess that's, that's what happened. It never, the oil never emptied. The flour became all the time supplied because of the obedience. Okay? And just to plug in a little bit, every year we do have our uh, feeding ministry in Los Angeles, Esquidro. And this year is going to be on the 22nd, always the Sunday before Thanksgiving. So if you want to help there, then you're welcome right after service, after worship. We all go to uh, the skid row and feed the homeless. If you want to volunteer, I would then ask you to please come to our house because we will have some sort of training so that we just don't go there to feed. We want to share the gospel. We want to give them to, for us to be able to call their name. You know, in Skid Row, we talk about the names. Just calling their name is special to them because they lost their identities there. So if we go there, or when we go there, you ask them, what's your name? If they tell their name, then call the name. And they like that. Imagine just name, okay? So that's on the 22nd. The training will be on the 21st. Uh, you're welcome to come to our house. Okay. Again, this one talks about faithfulness, obedience, generousness, and selflessness. Why? Because the widow gave out what very little she had. Okay. Our responsibility is laid out by God. He said to Abraham, walk before me and be blameless. In Micah 6, 8, he said, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Okay. Last week, it was asked. The Christian life is not difficult to live. It is impossible. True? It's true if we do it in our own strength. But with God, remember, nothing is impossible. He is the El Shaddai. He's the Almighty. Jeremiah 32, 17 says, Ah, Lord God, and you know the song, Behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Ten verses that follows after that. 
He said, I am the Almighty God. And nothing is difficult for me. If you look in your Bible, verse 27. Okay. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Walking blameless is about abiding. Walking blameless is following. It's not because that we can be pious. It's not because we can just say, okay, I want to follow. But it's not for us. God will be the one to give us that strength. I got in here, just real quick. You know, just uh, a couple of hours ago, this was attached to this. And you already know the de deterioration. When it was cut, this is not anymore connected. It doesn't abide in the tree anymore. You can still see that the leaves may, is still may be fresh, the fruit still fresh, but what happens? If we just leave it here, it will wither because it's not connected to the vine anymore or to the tree anymore. Okay? So that's all that God is saying. Abide, connect, be with me. But it's hard to do. Okay? The son was, was promised to Abraham and Sarah. How many of us, or not us, but how many women... Uh, most women would want to have children, correct? Most women, raise your hand if you want to have children. Okay. Those of you who are married who wants to have children, raise your hand. That's only one person. It's only Christy who's raising the hand. Okay. Well, everybody or most women would love to have children. That's statistically, okay, most, but not all. Well, what about having children at age 69? How many? Christy, you still want at age 69? <laughs> all right. Okay, let's take a look. This lady right here. Her name is Ra Rajo, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that, Rajo Devi Lohan, 74 years old. No, she gave birth when she was 69. Gave birth to a daughter in India at age 69. Joy, why are you shaking your head? <laughs> okay. Sometimes it's really unimaginable. But what about Sarai? Sarai gave birth at age 90, even older. This is the record right now of the oldest woman or women that gave birth, age 69. Okay? Anyone else who would like to beat the record? <laughs> to be famous? Okay, I think that's one record that nobody would like to break. Okay. <laughs> but then God is greater than our weaknesses. Okay? God is greater. 
In Genesis 18, it says, Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. Sarah laughed herself, saying, After I have become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. Okay? In our weaknesses, what do we do? What kind of weaknesses do we have? And that's for Sarah. That's for Abraham. I have weaknesses. Again, borrowing from Pastor Raji, or it's just me? Ako lang daw, sabi nila. We have weaknesses. Just ask my wife again, after the service. Okay? It is that weakness that brings us down. It's that weakness that makes us sinners. It's that weakness that prevents us from blossoming, from growing to be a disciple and discipling others. Okay? And that's why, shall we say, I'm a sinner. Lord, bless my sin. Can we say that? No. So what mess that we created, we cannot say, Lord, bless my mess. Okay? We cannot say that. But rather, God can what? Forgive the mess, which is us. Unmess the mess. Make you a message of grace for His glory instead. Once the mess has been undone. Okay? It's not bless my mess, but have it your way. The your there is capitalized because we're talking about who? That's God. Okay? Have it your way and not my way. Okay? God is greater than. I'm going to give you a list of things or situations that you may or may not describe yourself. Okay? But let's take a look. God is greater than my doubts, my past, my problems, my needs, my pain, my fears, a hopeless parental diagnosis, whatever that is. How about not being healed? You've been praying for that, for something, for a long time. I'm not being healed. Distance between family. Past mistakes. The fear of not being good enough. Loneliness. My career. An abusive past. Difficult marriage. My alcoholism or addiction. My shame our family problems, the pain of losing my kids. God is greater than all of these things. God is greater than blank. You put your own thing in there. And God is still greater than that. For he said he is El Shaddai, he is the Almighty. 
And we go back again in Jeremiah 32. We read this earlier. It says, nothing is too difficult for you. And in verse 27, he said, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? He answered his own question. Nothing. Nothing is too difficult for him. God has one more move. What do we do? Wait for him to make it. God has the last word. Wait for him to say it. So if you have anything today that you think is so great and you think that the world is coming down at you, closing in at you, and it's so dark, so gloomy, so heavy on your shoulders, think about this. God is greater than that. Let's bow our heads. Lord God, we gave you a list of things, Lord God, that concerns us, bothers us. Issues that preoccupy our minds. Relationships that are broken. Situations in the family, O oh Lord. Health issues, O oh Lord God. When all of these things, Lord God, seem to be too difficult, and they are too heavy for us to handle, to carry. Lord, teach us to remember that you are greater than those things, O oh Lord. Speak, Lord God, to each and every one of us present. And allow us, Lord God, to understand that when we call upon you, O Lord, the God Almighty, our El Shaddai, you will deliver us, O Lord, for your promises are great. You promise us, O Lord God, and we hang on to your promises. And this morning, O Lord God, we come to you and surrender. Surrender our baggages, Lord. Surrender, Lord God, our idiosyncrasies, Lord God, our sinful thoughts, our selfishness, our pride, our arrogance. And pray, Father God, that you will Take it from us, O oh Lord. Replace our minds and our hearts. Hearts that is pliable, Lord God, to you. Minds that is teachable, O oh Lord. Open our hearts, Lord God, so there will be room for you there. Allow us, O oh Lord God, to be transformed. To be a new creation, just like what you want us to do when we receive Christ. And if there's anyone in our midst this morning 
who for the first time have heard this word and has not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We welcome you and pray this prayer. And remember that God is faithful to redeem us. And dear Lord, I know that I am a sinner. I come to you, Lord Jesus, giving to you all my sins, asking you to forgive me, to unload, O oh Lord God, all my burdens, for you to carry me, for me, Lord God, to be recognized as your child. And I accept you today, Lord Jesus, to be not only my God, but my master and my savior. And that from now on, you will help me to live a life that is victorious. Not that I can do it on my own, but I pray that the Holy Spirit will strengthen me, empower me, so that when trials come, when all of these burdens come along the way, I will remember that you are the El Shaddai, my El Shaddai, my almighty God. Thank you. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.